Do you feel free? Yes, I know we're told that we live in a free world. We're not subjugated or in servitude to any monarch or any despot or any totalitarian fascist. We're free to go about. We have the freedoms guaranteed to us by the Declaration of Independence in the United States of America and in many other countries of the free world. But do you feel free? Are you really free? Freedom isn't just the ability to move about. You can also be enslaved to internal forces, to fear, to insecurity. You could be enslaved to your smartphone, to social media. You could be enslaved to the perception that others have of you, trying to appeal to them, to please them. This is the theme of this class. Are you free? Do you feel free? Please join me. Hi everyone, Simon Jacobson, and we will be speaking, are you free? Do you feel free? This program is dedicated in loving memory of John, known as Jack Fisher, yard site on July 9th, the third of Tammuz, dedicated by his daughter Diane, Dina Rochel. Coming from Independence Day, July 4th, seems appropriate to talk about independence, about freedom. We live what is called a free world, which in simple terms, in contrast to some country, other countries on this globe, and in contrast to past history, where people, individuals, were not free. Countries were ruled by monarchs, by kings, by emperors, by queens, by church leaders, Total authoritarian, totalitarian authoritarian regimes. Individuals did not have rights. It's only 245 years ago when the United States of America declared independence and guaranteed rights, freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly. And many other countries have adopted similar principles. So the concept of freedom on a political level is relatively new, not even three centuries old. So let us assume that that freedom is guaranteed. Why do I say assume? Because some people have their arguments. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I can sit here and be speaking to you. No one's censoring what I say. This is not the case in the past. So there's no doubt that there are freedoms. You know, there are those conspiracy theorists that say really nothing is free. But I don't want to go into that right now. My real question is, do you feel free? The fact that you don't have to answer in your personal beliefs, whether it's religious beliefs or values, or how to educate your children, to any higher authority, to any government authority, doesn't necessarily mean you feel free. 
I can tell you from hard-earned experience in dealing with many, many people, people tell me all the time I don't feel free at all. I have to deal with the issues of my fears, my insecurities, traumas that I've experienced, abuse, betrayals. I feel enslaved by my own, very own psyche. Some people call themselves, I'm my own worst enemy. You can be afraid of yourself in a way. So yes, we can argue that we have freedom from without relative to the past history. But the question is, do we have freedom from within? And then when you take into account how many of us are addicted to different things, from the severe addictions, whether it's drugs or alcohol or gambling or sex addictions, sexual addictions, or addictions to eating, to um, different, to our gadgets, to our smartphones. Is an addiction not a form of slavery? Yes, we don't call it slavery. It's not with physical ball and chain, physical prison, but it still can be a prison. So let's evaluate what the word freedom really means. In many ways, you can say that when we were enslaved or we were subjugated to some authority, people's internal freedom either was a non-issue because they were dealing with bigger problems, or actually it was more intact, ironically. Because all you had was your internal world. When the freedom becomes part of our given reality and our comfort zone, interestingly, the growth of addictions and all other psychological challenges has grown proportionately to our outer freedoms. So can you say that the more free we are without, the less free we are within? And is that an absolute given? Or is that just the tendency and we can do something about it? So these are, in my opinion, quite fascinating and critical topics to address because it comes down to defining the very you. You and your life. So begin with a case study, so to speak. It's a young man that came to see me in the late 20s. And he shares with me that he is in a medical school. But he's not happy. Why is he in medical school? His parents, who are wealthy, and support him, and pay for his whole education, insisted he become a doctor. He says, I don't want to be a doctor. Why don't you tell your parents? I said I told them, but they insisted. They're paying, and they insisted. Studying and discussing some of his history became very clear. They're fine parents, but they have a certain dom dominating element to them, and they're controlling. And in their mind, they think this is best for him. He may not, that, he doesn't know better. I ended up speaking to the parents. So it confirmed my suspicions. I said, though, so you may be correct, it may be the best for him, but as, as he grows into an adult, don't you want him to be able to own his decisions? He doesn't know yet, he'll learn, he'll grow into it. What is at the heart of the issue here? Is this son of theirs free or not free? In many ways, he's not. Despite that he's in a gilded cage, and he has everything he needs, but he does not have the ability to just stand up and even make his own mistakes for that matter. 
I'm not saying these are bad parents. Their intentions are good. At the end of the day, I did convince them. Not, not force them, but I did persuade them in a kind way that they have to let him breathe. Or else, they may have a doctor, but they'll have also a person who's never spread his wings, which will not give them ultimate pleasure and joy. So, at the end of the day, he actually dropped out of medical school. He was more an artistic type, and he's pursuing that and his parents with his parents' blessing. But it was not easy. It's, a, it's relatively, you can say, a pretty innocuous story. It's not severe abuse, but it, at the heart of it lies an issue that many, many people deal with, some more severe than others. And what is that? Are you you because of you, or are you you because of what others expected of you? Beginning with parents and educators and friends and colleagues and society itself, being social creatures, we are impacted by those that are around us. We want to be liked. We want to please. We want to be part of a group. At the same time, yes, people like to say, I think out of the box, I'm an individual, I'm a nonconformist. Well, you know, that can be quite challenged because nonconformity, there's a price to pay for that. And the price is that you're going to look different. You're going to be different. You may be even criticized. Are you ready for that? The point I'm making here is that it's not bad to have friends and colleagues and support systems. But it very often it does suffocate us and not allow us to be ourselves. The ultimate education, the best parents, and the best educators are the ones that teach us not what to think, but how to think empower us with a methodology. And yes, try to provide guidance and direction and a living example. But at some point, we're no longer two years old. We just told you can't cross the street by yourself. You have to be taught that you should know that you shouldn't cross it on your own. And just a small example. And as we get older, yes, the ability to fall and pick ourselves up. Imagine a mother and father are so compassionate. They don't want their child ever to fall. So when the child takes its first step, they hold on to the child. What will happen? If the child never takes a step on its own and never falls, the child will not learn how to walk, unfortunately. What does a healthy parent do? You don't just abandon your child. You say, come, walk to daddy, walk to mommy. And you show them that you're there for them, but you also vote of confidence. Walk. They may slip. They may fall. They will fall a few times. But then they'll walk on their own. Again, small examples, but you magnify that as we grow older and it becomes far more acute. So we do have that challenge that we had to grow up in homes. Thank God. Better to grow up in a home with parents than without parents. But parents can sometimes impose their opinions and their attitudes on us. And it affects us because of those impressionable years, like a warm, a warm ball of wax, every experience has impact in our psyches, gets etched in our psyches. And then as the wax hardens, as we grow into adults, it becomes part of our identity. So of course we have to address that. If I'm speaking to parents, I would say to them, love and nurture your children, but make sure that the flower grows 
don't suffocate it or else it'll never blossom. It's not that easy because it's to do many times parents copy and emulate what they saw in their homes. They just replicate that. So it takes a conscientiousness. It takes a certain deliberate focus to educate well, to be a gardener that waters and nurtures the flowers but allows them to blossom, allows them to spread their wings. But I'm speaking now not only to parents, also to individuals. Some of us, or all of us, or many of us, or all of us in some way, have been impacted by forces. So freedom is far deeper than just, can, are you free to move about as you see fit? Are you free to read any book you like? Are you free to express yourself? Freedom also has to include psychological freedom, emotional freedom. You know, Shawshank Redemption has become a classic. And one of the themes in there is that once you're in prison long enough, you become a psychological prisoner. That even if you're released, you still feel like you're a prisoner. So prison is not just about physical bonds and physical cells and physical jails, but also emotional ones and psychological ones. There's a thing called slave mentality or servant mentality, to make it not that harsh. And that's a far greater challenge, because that's internal and not external. External, yes, 245 years ago, the United States declared independence from the Great Britain, from England, became a free country with principles that till this day, in an institutionalized way, legislated, we have freedoms, fundamental freedoms endowed to us, inalienable rights, to use the words of the Declaration of Independence, endowed to each one of us by the Creator. Okay. So that took away the imposition of any other individual telling you what you must do. Now, of course, this has been pointed out, especially by the socialist thinking, Marxists, and so on. Now, one second. Okay. It's not imposed upon you by government, but it's imposed upon you by your boss. Your boss tells you what to do. You're not free to do whatever you wish. But in return, you get paid. Is that not a form of slavery? Some argue it is. On the other hand, what's the solution? That other approach, the Marxist approach, didn't work. As, well, as good as it sounded theoretically. The fact of the matter, capitalism may be the worst system, but it's the best one we've found so far. So yes, slowly they've developed unions, workers' rights, workers' compensation, all the different safeguards to make sure that one person who pays you, your boss, cannot abuse you. But that's, we'll keep that aside. That's on an economic, on a political level. I'm talking far deeper on a psychological level. So let's define the word freedom now. Freedom can be defined, most people will say, freedom means I can do whatever I want. I can travel wherever I want, I can do whatever I wish. I know people who do whatever they wish and they're not free at all. They're actually running for their lives. That's why they're not committed to anything. Some people claim I'm not committed because I'm a free spirit. Indeed, it's just a scared child that doesn't want to rest its hat for one place for too long because it can be terrifying. Yes, it's insecurity can drive that type of constant mobility. It looks like a free spirit, but it could be driven by fear. And fear, 
I would not suggest is freedom. So to say that because you have many frequent flyer miles, you're free, no. That means you can move about and no one's holding you down physically. My definition of freedom that I would like to suggest and submit is that no force outside of you imposes itself upon you. That what you do and what you say and your behavior is coming from the natural you. That's a very different definition than just you can do whatever you want. Because a person like that may be sitting at a table for hours reading a book, but it's not being imposed by anyone. So they're not walking around doing whatever they want. Actually, they've self-imposed discipline. That's totally that total expression of freedom because it's coming from within. So the real definition of freedom is to find yourself, the unique you, with your unique voice. And second, have the courage to express it and not feel intimidated or silenced or judged or criticized, which will cause you, of course, to retreat, to shrivel up into yourself because that's what happens. When a child, especially children, again, impressionable children, hear critique time and again, what do you think a child does? They retreat. They say, my opinion is worthless. How many people, excuse me, how many people have I met that have told me, constantly second-guessing themselves because they were always criticized. Whatever they said, they said, I can't trust myself. I can't trust myself because long ago, when I would share something, I was always told I was wrong, always criticized, always corrected. So now as an adult, I'm always asking myself, you know, I'm wrong. It's an emotional thing. It's not an intellectual thing you can just shift. This is all a perfect example of not being free because you're not, you're not allowed to be yourself. I thank God I was blessed. I grew up in a home. My parents, especially my father, very secure. To the point you can even say it was almost like not involved in my direct education. Of course he cared, and I knew he was there. And as I grew older, I realized it was a very mature approach. Some people would say, one second, too much hands-off. But his hands-off was very much part of the confidence in me and in my siblings. To, you will grow to be the best you can be. And in his own way, was there when necessary. Perfect was not perfect. No, my father was not perfect. But it taught me a lot when I look back at it as an adult now. The restraint, not to correct everything you're doing, to compliment, to encourage, to reinforce. That's the only way it works. When you have a coach, of course we make mistakes. And you, you point out the mistakes in a constructive way to improve them. But if you just focus on that, you're just going to undermine a person's confidence. So the key is to recognize, most importantly, to reinforce the person's spirit. That allows the freedom to explore, to search out. And yes, includes asking for help when necessary. Inviting someone to critique in a positive, constructive way but it's not there to demoralize or undermine the person. Many people, in their own insecurities, the only way 
they feel good about themselves is when they undermine or demoralize another. You need to be wrong for me to be right. That's like an extremely unhealthy thing. Why is that the case? I can be right, I, I feel secure, and you're entitled to your opinion. You have to be wrong. Maybe your opinion has value. You may even be right, and I'm wrong. But that requires confidence. So we mask, many people mask their insecurities in their seemingly confidence and, and, and they're sure of themselves. What did one person once tell me about an individual? He hides his ignorance with his arrogance. So the first thing that we need to remember, that true freedom comes from the true you, that you are valuable. You're invaluable, indispensable. You have something to contribute that you and only you can contribute. When you know that in the deepest part of your heart and soul, that leads to freedom because then it's all within me. Now, of course you want to have support and you have valid and validation, but your identity is not determined by that validation. It's like a flower needs water, as I mentioned before, but the flower is not defined by the water. The water nurtures it, but the flower is that one that grows. Validation, support, peer support, your support group, your support system, all valuable, but they don't define you. They support you. So how does one find themselves? Especially if one grew up in a situation, an environment where that self never really emerged fully. This means getting in touch with your soul. And this is, I go always back to my, this is my uh, go-to method and exercise that every morning, say the following, you can call it a prayer, you can call it a chant, you can call it a meditation. Thank you for returning my soul to me. You may be familiar with the Hebrew, Moda'ani. Thank you for returning my soul to me. For making me indispensable. Thank you for giving me my mission and renewing my contract this morning. Now the thank you, of course, gratitude is a very powerful force, but the gratitude has something behind it. It's not just you're saying thank you. It's also appreciating yourself. Not because you, on your own, are just an arrogantly great person. No, it's, not. It's, it's actually humility. You appreciate because you've been put here, you've been given a job, and you know that it's vital that you fulfill that mission. Do this every morning. It takes a minute, two minutes, but with focus, not just by rote. You will see what it begins to do. It begins to feed a part of you that may have been dormant for a while. Or maybe you're aware of it, but it's not completely active. This awareness, this focus, this like, just like a child, a child needs more than anything else, you know what? Recognition. Awareness that I exist. Yes, gifts are nice, trips are nice, video games are nice, but just that you paid attention to me. Our soul is exactly the same, like that flower analogy. It needs to be nurtured. Make sure you water it. By doing this every morning, you're watering your own soul, you're watering your own identity, you're nurturing yourself, and that self will have more confidence to express itself. Now, of course, it's not just enough to do it in the morning. 
the goal is that that should begin to be a catalyst that stimulates that consciousness of self and then looking for ways to express it. So my second suggestion, every day find something unique to you that you can say, I did today at my own initiative. Not because someone demanded it or expected of me, not because it was my job, not because I felt I'll make somebody happy and please them. From the goodness of your own heart, reach out to someone, say a kind word, do something proactive. Why is that so vital? First of all, that's like exercising the self again. So it's not being imposed by another. It's exercising yourself is expressing itself. Secondly, as you do that, you become more accustomed and you actually will build your own confidence and self-esteem. It's no different than anything whether a pianist every day sits at the piano and just plays to keep themselves in tune. Or an athlete that trains every day and practices on an ongoing basis. You need to practice self-expression. It's not just in the head. It's not just on paper. So we do that by actually doing it. Do that on a regular basis. In addition to the Modaani exercise that I mentioned, you will come away every day. Obviously, if you could do it more than once a day, great. But at least once a day. So at the end of the day, you can look back and say, you know, and it's not about pride or, again, arrogance. It's about feeding the self. And it doesn't take much. It just requires concentrated effort. And not to give in to the voices that tell you you can't do it. You're not worthy. Who are you? Who do you think you are? But when you commit to this, you'll see it's not that difficult. But it's a commitment. Like anything, it's going to take a, t- a while till it becomes a habit and a routine. And then increase. Don't take it for granted. Grow. One of the most important questions I always ask people when they come to me for advice. I say, tell me what your voice has to say. I'm not going to give you... I, you want, I know you want my... What is your voice? What do you feel is right? What do you think is right for you in this world, in this life? If you had your dreams fulfilled, what would it look like? And I don't mean you have a yacht and you have five cars and six homes. I'm not talking about a material level. I'm talking about a fulfillment level. What would be considered success in your mind? It's a challenging question. It seems easy to answer. Most people do answer material success, financial success. But the goal here is to find that you, you, your voice. Often I hear, I've never been asked this question. I never had the license. I never had thought I had the freedom and the license to even ask this question. Now, some people may say, one second, why are you focusing on the person? We all know happiness is not about focusing on yourself. It's focusing on others, on serving. Absolutely. My goal is, how do you feel you should serve? But sometimes people need the license to be able to answer that question. So my goal is not to get them to just become so self, self, selfish and just think about themselves and not others. The goal is really to think not about yourself, about what, why you're here. But it's still you are here for this reason. Just want to qualify that. So my friends, freedom. Are you free? Do you feel free? We have many forces in our lives today that are enslaving us, whether you like it or not. I mentioned some of them earlier. Let's mention another one. 
the very product sales and marketing that's going on around us. That by the time we're age 20, statistics show that the average Western man or woman at age 20 has seen over a million advertisements, seen or heard a million advertisements. By now, it's probably much more than that with uh, smartphones and texting and social media and so on. You know what that means? That you're bombarded, inundated with all types of pitches. You're being pitched. Imagine sitting in your office or sitting in your home and being pitched a thousand times a day. And there are no filters. What do you think would happen? You become completely overwhelmed. Secondly, you start saying, you know what, look how inadequate I am. I can't have all of it. And they're telling me I'm not going to be perfect without it. So even if you don't believe 90% of it, but the imagery is hypnotic. Look at that beautiful face. I could look like that. This is like an exotic location to travel to. A great cigar or cognac or wine to drink. And all the other things that are being sold to us, this will make you happy. Pleasure. This will give you pleasure. This will prevent pain. And it's not all untrue. Some of it is accurate. Some of it is exaggerated. Some of it is not accurate. So what you have is inundated, more than we even imagine. So of course a person is not going to really be free because they'll say, you know what, as long as I'm lacking that, I'm not free. I'm here to tell you, you have everything right here inside you. You don't have to pay one penny. In the words of Michelangelo, when they asked him, how does he sculpt those beautiful angels? He says, I see the angels, I see the angels trapped in the marble and I carved and carved and set them free. Your angels are within you. They may be trapped in marble and concrete and other distractions in other uh, objects. The attitudes of other people that you are influenced by, but the angels are within you. The challenge is to carve away and find it and sing your song. Sing your songs and be free. This has been Simon Jacobson, MeaningfulLife.com, where you can find a full schedule of programs discussing topics like this, the archive of this class, and many others. Please share, like, subscribe, comment, feedback, suggestions. All are welcome. Because this is what we thrive on, helping you, helping us, helping every individual find uh, your voice, your mission, your calling. spreading your wings, revealing your angel, and making your corner of the world, and by extension the rest of the world, a better place. Thank you very much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.